Amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Jim, for making that organ sing this morning. Amen. We praise the Lord for you and Brother Brian. We're looking at continuing our series, King Jesus. And today we're looking at the topic, how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? Worked on this uh, this week and then received a phone call on uh, actually a a Facebook message yesterday uh, from some folks down at Midway where we came from. And one of the members there who was in his 90s went to be with the Lord. And they've asked me to come and preach the funeral on Tuesday with their now senior pastor. And so I am glad to do that. I'm able to do that this week. But as I was thinking about that, it just so happens that I'm going to put into practice what I'm looking at today as I look at his life. How will he be remembered? And the truth of the matter is that all of us at some point in our lives will be remembered somehow. And so that's what we're looking at today as we come to the story of Herod and John the Baptist. And we find out how John the Baptist's life ended here in our passage this morning from Mark chapter 6. And as we look at this passage, we really think of how these two lives, these two men were contrasted. Herod, the ruler over Galilee, and John the Baptist had two very different lives that ended in two different ways. And we remember these two men differently. And this causes us to wonder and ask the question, how will you be remembered? How will I be remembered? And, you know, we typically don't, don't like to dwell on that question because to dwell there means we have to acknowledge that at some point that we will no longer be here. But the last time I checked the statistics, one out of every one person dies. I mean, that's just the baseline, bottom line. That's the truth, isn't it? So the question then is, how will you be remembered? As I was working on this this week, I couldn't help but to remember a story that I had heard about in a small town where there was these two brothers who, over the course of many years... Uh, had a business, and in their business, they had cheated and generally stole from everybody in their community, everybody that they had done business with. And the entire town and the surrounding community really despised these two guys as everyone was aware of just how disreputable and how dishonest they were. But one day, one of those brothers mysteriously died, and even though they were not Christians and even though they had never attended church, the one remaining brother went to the pastor and offered him a vast amount of money if he would come and do the funeral and say the appropriate words, and he would even give a large bonus, but only if he would say during the course of the funeral referring to his brother who was now departed as a saint. The pastor was troubled, of course, by the request, but it was a very poor church where he was pastoring. And the church was in desperate need of some repairs, so he didn't really know what he was going to do. The parishioners had heard about the pastor's dilemma, and they were curious as to what he would do. So he agreed to do the funeral. And so as you can imagine, the church was packed. Uh, and uh, the pastor started with the usual prayers and followed the traditions that you typically do at a funeral. And then as he was closing up his remarks, he looked at the brother who was still alive, and he began and said, As you all know, 
The departed man here was an awful individual who robbed and cheated and swindled and stole from everyone he ever did business with. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be remembered that way. Amen. So today, let's just, uh, let's just dive in here in Mark 6 and take a look here at our passage to see what the circumstances were that leads to know how these men, Herod and John the Baptist, are remembered and find out how that applies to us. Amen? So if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you're able, please stand as I read for you Mark 6, reading verses 14 through 29. The Bible here says, Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. But others said it is Elijah, and others said it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. And so she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. And immediately the king sent an executioner, commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse. And laid it in a tomb. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God. And we pray, Lord, that you would have your way as we uh, open up the word together and speak together and hear together what the spirit is, is desiring for us to hear and to understand. And Lord, may we do an evaluation of our own life as to the legacy in which we will each live and how we will be remembered. And so, Father, we pray that you'd speak to us through the word. And if there are those here this morning who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord, that this would be the time of salvation, the hour. And even not only in this worship center, but in the Sunday school classes that are meeting all over our building today, we pray that you'd continue to prick the hearts of those that need to know Jesus as Savior. But, Lord, also we pray for our second hour as well. And we pray that also you'd be with those of us who are Christians who already know you as Lord and Savior, but need to be refreshed in our walk, renewed in our faith. And Lord, to be the people of God you want us to be. And Lord, so may you use this time to speak to us and let us walk away a changed people by the power of God. May we sense your presence, may we hear your promise, and may we know your power. Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
You see the outline for the message today in your bulletin as we look at this topic of how will you be remembered. And we see first off that we are remembered by our character. We're remembered by our character. And as we look at this passage today, in these verses, we see that Herod was fearful of the consequences, but John the Baptist was faithful to the call. Let me say that again. Herod was fearful of the consequences, but John the Baptist was faithful to the call. Let's let's look at Herod. Herod had heard about Jesus. We see that here in the passage. And while others were thinking that this person of Jesus was possibly Elijah or a prophet, Herod has this, the character of being paranoid because he thinks something differently. As a matter of fact, in verse 16, it tells us that when Herod heard about Jesus, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. And when you look at that passage in the Greek, really the, the emphasis is in the, ver, in, in the part of the verse that says, whom I have beheaded. And so basically what the Herod is saying here is, whom I have beheaded, John, he has risen from the dead. And so he is fearful of the consequences of what he has done, of his actions in the past. And so he has a guilty conscience and he was superstitious really about John to start with. Herod had wanted to do away with John the Baptist because he was sort of like a splinter under Herod's fingernail. It was a pain that he couldn't shake. But at the same time, he knew that there was something that was different about John the Baptist, that he, he was afraid that if he had him killed, he didn't know what would happen. As a matter of fact, over in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 5, in this uh, instance of this, uh, this particular passage in the book of Matthew, it tells us that although he wanted to put John the Baptist to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. And then, of course, we see in Mark 6, 20, that he feared, Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man and he protected him. So what we see here about Herod is that Herod feared the consequences of the crowd. And he had a superstitious way of thinking that if he killed John, maybe it would cause something bad to happen to himself, Herod. That was Herod's character. He was fearful of the consequences. But also we can see it over in verse 26 after he promised his stepdaughter that he would give her anything she wanted up to half the kingdom. And so she comes back and she asked for John the Baptist's head on the platter. And Herod was those who sat with him. He did not want to refuse her request because of his guests at his birthday celebration. As a matter of fact, in verse 26 it says that the king was exceedingly sorry yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. So he was thinking that if he didn't follow through on his oath, what would those at the feast think of him? And so because of his fear of the consequences and his own pride, he then had John the Baptist executed. So Herod was always weighing the consequences of how his his decision would affect him. Should I do this? Should I do that? He wanted, uh, what he wanted was what was in his own best interest. What was it that would benefit him? But he was afraid of the consequences, fearful of the consequences. 
Whereas Herod was fearful of the consequences, John the Baptist was faithful to the call. We have already seen in Mark's gospel back a few chapters at the beginning of the book of Mark that John the Baptist's call was to be a messenger sent before Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 1, in the first few verses, we see as it introduces John the Baptist, as it tells us there in verses 2 through 4, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. For John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. So we definitely have two different fellows here, don't we? Who live in two different lifestyles and have two different outcomes as well. And so we see here about John the Baptist, he's not fearful of the consequences, but rather he's faithful to the call and he is preaching repentance. He is preaching that people need to turn from their sin and turn to Jesus Christ. And we see that in what John the Baptist says, uh, he tells us that he says here in verse 18. In verse 18, this is there, in all of these verses, we have just this one particular verse that tells us what John the Baptist said here. But yet we can glean much from this because John said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. John the Baptist is speaking truth to Herod. Since Herod had married his sister-in-law, which was his half-brother's wife, who was also another half-brother's daughter. Did you catch all that? There were several brothers there, Herod being one of them, and Herod married one of his half-brother's wife, who happened to also be one of his other half-brother's daughter. Kind of crazy, isn't it? He was guilty of adultery as well as an incestuous relationship But John the Baptist, being John the Baptist, was not afraid of the consequences of speaking the truth, but rather he was faithful to the call and he spoke truth to both Herod and to this woman, Herodias. As a matter of fact, the tense of verse 18, whereas the New King James, it says John had said, the correct is really indicates that he had said on multiple occasions that he had been saying. So it wasn't just a one time, okay, I'm going to do this and be done so that I've gotten my responsibility out of the way of telling Herod that he needs to get right and repent of his sin, that this is not a lawful marriage. But it tells us here in the Greek that he kept on doing that. He was not fearful, friends, but he was faithful. John the Baptist's character here was far different from Herod. He knew that speaking the truth, especially speaking the truth to somebody in authority like a man like Herod, could very well cost him his life. But what we find about John the Baptist is that he was faithful to the call and that he preached repentance regardless. John the Baptist, listen, John the Baptist had courage. And he knew the God of the scripture and he knew Jesus as the Messiah and he knew what the Bible said in the law in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 that says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so as we look at these two men, Herod and John the Baptist and how they are remembered, we have to remember Herod 
as a coward. But we can remember John the Baptist as one with courage. Amen? Two different characters here. Herod and John the Baptist are remembered by their character. And friends, listen to me. So will we. We will be remembered by our character. We will leave a legacy behind us. And people will remember us by our character. The question is, are we more like Herod, who is more afraid of the consequences, wanting what is in our own best interest and our own comforts of life, or are we more like John the Baptist, who was faithful to the call, preaching truth no matter what the cost, no matter what the consequences, being faithful to the call of God in our lives to be the messenger that God has called us to be? Are we, here's, here it is in a nutshell, friends, are we cowardly or are we courageous? Amen? That's the question we must ask. How will we be remembered? We'll be remembered by our character. Secondly, we'll also be remembered by our conduct, by our conduct. Herod's heart, as we look at our passage here, Herod's heart was fixated on the world, whereas John the Baptist's heart was fixed on the way, the truth, and the life. Let me say it again. Herod's heart was fixated on the world, but John the Baptist's heart was fixed on the way, the truth, and the life. Herod was fixated on the world. That means that he was preoccupied with the things of this world. You know, we don't have to look much, but we can see in just a few verses here, and we can see a summary of how Herod lived his life. We can look here and see a few things. We see that he went after the lust of the flesh, which is a desire for evil things. It is going after those things that are in rebellion against God. In just a few verses, we see that Herod broke quite a few of the commands and the commandments of God. Amen? We see his rebellion against God. We see that he placed himself first, that he was his own God. We see that at the end of verse 22 and the first part of verse 23 where he said to the girl, ask me whatever you want, I'll give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask of me, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. He thinks he's his own God. He had no respect for life in that he murdered John the Baptist. Verse 27 tells us he sent an executioner, commanded his head to be brought, and he went, beheaded him in prison. We also know that he he sought the desires of his own heart where he committed adultery in verse 17 where it tells us that Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John, bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her, and that he had coveted his neighbor's wife or his brother's wife who we find there in verse 17 as well. He went after the lust of the flesh, desiring evil things, going after things that were in rebellion against God. But not only did he have the lust of the flesh, but he had the lust of the eyes, meaning that Satan had enticed him by what Herod saw. And we see that also in verse 22, where his daughter-in-law, or rather his stepdaughter, is beautiful and she causes him to sin. In verse 22, when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, then he said to ask me whatever you want. 
one I'll give to you. And we know that that led to John the Baptist's execution. And so we see here that Herod, in the conduct of his life, he went after the lust of the flesh. He went after the lust of the eyes. And also he had the pride of life, meaning that this idea of arrogance, this haughtiness, this exaggeration, he thought he was more than he really was. And so his conduct revealed who he was as he was fixated on the things of this world. And friends, listen, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 tells us this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the, is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So we know where his heart was by the conduct in which he lived. He was going after the things of the world, and so Herod was not of the Father. He was of the world. He was going after the things of the world. He was of the world and he was preoccupied with it. John the Baptist is different, however. He was not fixated on the world, but John the Baptist, his heart was fixed on the way, the truth, and the life. And we see that even uh, Herod recognized the conduct of John the Baptist as different from his own in verse 20, where Herod says about John the Baptist, He says, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. He was a just and holy man. Just uh, means righteous. It means following God's law. And holy means that he was set apart. He was dedicated. He was consecrated. He was sold out to the Lord. So John the Baptist here is remembered as a man who lived a life of faithfulness to the Lord and who pointed people to Jesus. The apostle Paul, the apostle John rather, says this about John the Baptist in John chapter one. He says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light and all through him, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John the Baptist was not preoccupied with the things of this world. Friends, his heart was fixed on Jesus. And he pointed away from himself and he pointed to Jesus Christ. He's the one, as a matter of fact, who pointed to Jesus in John 1, 29 and 30 said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me for he was before me, even though He knew that Jesus was born after him. He also knew who Jesus was. John the Baptist also said that he must increase, but I must decrease. And that, my friends, was the conduct of the life of John the Baptist, where his heart was fixed on Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And so the question for us is, as we understand that we will be remembered by our character but that we will also be be remembered by our conduct, we have to ask, who are we more like here? Are we more like Herod, who is fixated on the things of this world, preoccupied with the things of this world, going after the things of this world, thinking the world has something to offer us when in reality it does not? Or is our heart fixed on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, being faithful 
to him in all things and living lives that will reflect him and point others to him. Friends, how will we be remembered? How will we be remembered? We'll be remembered by our character and we'll be remembered by our conduct. And then thirdly, we'll be remembered by our conclusion. Herod faded woefully, but John the Baptist finished well. Herod faded woefully, but John the Baptist finished well. Now, in truth, we really don't know how Herod died. We do know, we do not know how his life ended, but we do know that he faded into history. He is known for two things. Scripturally, he's known for two things. He had John the Baptist beheaded. And the second thing is that this is the Herod that Pilate sent Jesus to, hoping that Herod would do Pilate's dirty work for him, if you remember that. But as Herod questioned Jesus that night, and Jesus didn't respond to the questions, the Bible tells us that Herod and his soldiers treated Jesus with contempt and mocked him, then arraigned him in a gorgeous robe. He sent him back to Pilate. And really, that's all we know about Herod. Now, uh, the historian Josephus, one of our, four, our uh, faith of our fathers, our fathers in, in the years, early, early church fathers, um, he tells us some things, but we find out really that that's about all the significance there was about Herod, except that he, after 43 years in, per, in, in power, he was eventually banished away from the territory in defeat. He faded woefully away. Why do you say it's woefully? Well, friends, because at no point do we see that he eventually heeded John's call to repent. At no point do we see him giving in to that call to repentance. He rejected repentance. He rejected Jesus. And so therefore, we can assume he never trusted Jesus as Savior. And because of that, he is at this very moment in a real place called hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and it is full of woe. Herod faded woefully into history, but yet he still lives in a place called hell. By contrast to that, John the Baptist finished well. His conclusion is remembered differently. John the Baptist did not end in defeat. He ended in victory. We'll say now, pastor, how how can you say that? John the Baptist, if you just read it, pastor, he was in prison before he died. And then he didn't end gloriously. Rather, his head got cut off. He was executed by a cowardly ruler. So how is that victory? Well, here's what we need to realize. If we are fearful of the consequences of life, because we have wanted what is in our own best interest. And when we have conducted ourselves in such a way that we were fixated on the world, going after what this world has to offer, then our conclusion will be the same as Herod, which is ending in defeat. If you have not heeded the warning of repentance and you have rejected Jesus Christ, then you too will fade into history, but will endure woe for all of eternity. But... 
if we, like John the Baptist, are faithful to the call of God in our lives to salvation and faithful to that call to serve him with our hearts fixed on Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, then, friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that we will finish in victory and not in defeat. We will finish well. Say, well, pastor, I'm not sure that I still understand how that is victory. It really, when you look at this, when you look at how John the Baptist ended, it really looks like defeat. How is death a victory for someone who has been faithful to the Lord, especially like this? Boy, that's a good question. And let me answer it with a story. There was an old missionary couple who'd been working in Africa for years And it was time for them to come back home to retire. They were returning to New York City. They had no pension. Their health was broken. They felt defeated. They felt discouraged. They felt afraid. They were, and they were on a ship as they were coming back across. And they realized that they were booked on the same ship as uh, President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his big game hunting expeditions. While they were on the ship, they recognized that nobody was paying any attention to them, of course. They were watching the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage and with passengers who were trying to catch a glimpse of the president. As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, something's really wrong here. Why why should we have given our lives in faithful service for God in Africa all these many years and have no one really care a thing about us? And here this man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody makes much over him. Nobody gives two hoots about us. His wife, as a good wife should, she said, dear, you shouldn't feel that way. And he said, I just can't help it. It doesn't seem right. When the ship docked in New York, a band was waiting to meet the president, of course. The mayor and the other dignitaries were there. The papers were full of the president's arrival, but no one noticed this Poor missionary couple. They slipped off the ship. They found a cheap apartment on the east side, hoping the next day to see what they could do to make a living in the city. Having remembered everything that he had just witnessed and experienced on the ship across and back to New York, and as he arrived there, the man's heart just broke. His spirit broke, and he said to his wife, I just can't take this. I don't feel like God is treating us fairly. His wife replied, honey, why don't you go into the bedroom and tell that to the Lord? So he did. And a short time later, he came out of the bedroom, but now his face was completely different. And his wife said, well, dear, what happened? And he said, the Lord settled it with me. I told the Lord how bitter I was that the president should receive this tremendous homecoming when there was nobody to meet us as we returned home. And then when I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and he simply said, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet. You see, friends, as John the Baptist was God's child, when that executioner took the life of John the Baptist, he was welcomed into the glory and the splendor of heaven for all of eternity. And he finished well. It, what Jesus said of John the Baptist, 
Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there was not risen one greater than John the Baptist. How will we be remembered, friends? We'll be remembered by our conclusion, either in defeat without Jesus or in victory because of Jesus. Amen? There's a huge difference about the way and how we remember Herod and John. Nobody names their children Herod, do they? No. What made the difference between these two men? Jesus did. Amen? Jesus made the difference in the life of John the Baptist. How will you be remembered? This week, I had a coffee with Ron Kidd. And you all, I think you may know Ron. Ryan Kidd is uh, his son. Uh, uh, so Ron is Ryan's dad. And Ron and Linda are with the SBCV right now, but they're headed to Montreal in the next couple of months uh, to serve with the North American Mission Board through what's known as Missionary Service Corps. And as such, that means that they need to raise their own support. They're still needing a bit more per, per month to, to be able to go. But as I was meeting with him this week, he was really telling me uh, his story. And he said that as he is now 68, he was evaluating where he was in life. And he said that he wanted to be faithful to Jesus. And he sensed the Lord's call to do the whatever, the whenever, and the wherever. And God impressed upon him that that would be Montreal. But he said this to me in the midst of our conversation. He had no clue what I was preaching on this Sunday. But he said this. When my children look at my life, I want to be remembered to have been faithful to the Lord. Friends, I have no doubt that he will be. Amen? And I pray the same for you. And I pray the same for me. That we'll be found faithful. And that we will finish well. We will be remembered by our character. We will be remembered by our conduct. And we will be remembered by our conclusion. And so, friends, because of that, as God's people, let us be men and women of courage and not cowardice. Let us let our hearts be fixed on Jesus and not on the things of this world. And let us finish in victory with Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. And as we enter into glory, we will hear Jesus say of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us finish well, friends. Let us finish well. But it has to start somewhere. And it starts with the first step. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you must come to know Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your lives. And it's a step of faith. Acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of Savior. We're all sinners For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus to save us. We need a Savior. As we acknowledge that, we also turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus Christ in repentance. Embracing or believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for us and rose again bodily from the grave. And we profess Him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's a step. 
one step, acknowledging our sin, turning from that sin toward Jesus, repenting of that sin, embracing, believing, and professing him as the Lord of our life. We're trusting Jesus by faith. It's a step of faith. And when we trust Jesus by faith, it's the beginning of our relationship with the Lord and we're made right with him and we have the hope of eternity. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you've never taken that step, take that step today as he is calling you to himself. But then Christian, let me just encourage you. As we come to this time of invitation, chances are you've been a Christian for some years And I've got a birthday coming up this month where I'll be a half of a century. Can you believe that? Nevertheless, I know some of you think, well, that's still a baby. Well, praise God. (laughs) We'll go with that. We'll go with that. But I recognize that more than likely half of my life is done. But that doesn't mean, okay, now I put on the, uh, you know, put it in neutral and coast the rest of the way. Absolutely not. We still have work to do. Amen. As long as we've got breath in our body, we must continually be about Jesus and be faithful to him in all things. And so as the Lord has dealt with our hearts this morning, we recognize that we're going to be remembered somehow, some way. What will our legacy be? Let it be that we're being faithful to the call of Jesus on our lives. Let it be that we're, our hearts are, are fixed on Jesus Christ and we want to live for him and live like him, and honor him, and point people to him. And let us have a desire to finish well. We don't know when God will call us home, but whenever that happens, friends, let us be about his business so that we're finishing well. Let's pray. Father, As we come to this invitation, we pray that you would deal with our hearts, that we would recommit our lives to you to be the people that you desire for us to be. Lord, that we might truly be remembered by our character, our conduct, and conclusion that is about Jesus, that we will finish well for your glory. Father, may you have your way in our hearts and our lives as you have invited us now to this moment of invitation that we would step forward in this time of prayer. Lord, if there are areas of our lives, and indeed I am certain that there are in all of us here, that we need to surrender to you where we have become way too preoccupied with the things of this world. We're way too concerned about how these things around us and if we speak up, how it's going to affect me. And Father, we pray that you would help us to live the life you've called us to live as your people. Help us to recommit our hearts to you. Help us to surrender afresh to you. Lord, help us to say, Lord, I want to be what you want me to be every day of my life so that I am able to finish well. But also, Father, if there are those that don't know Jesus and they are sensing that urge and that pull in their hearts to you, we pray that at this moment, Lord, as we begin to sing in just a second, Lord, that you would just draw them to yourself and let them come down and pray with me or Brother Andy. And we'll lead them to the cross of Calvary where Jesus died for them and Pray with them to receive Christ. But Father, we pray that all of us, Lord, would be where you want us to be in obedience to you and our walk with you. And so, Lord, as you invite us to this place, Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and lives. For we need you to work in us that we will be remembered the way you want us to be remembered through our character, through our conduct, and in our conclusion. 
for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.